0: Here again these words of Jesus from the gospel we're reading for today. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus, amen. Do you ever notice that sin begins almost imperceptibly, doesn't it? That little white lie, that half-truth, It's that tiny little error when you release the bow and let the arrow fly that causes you to miss the mark. Maybe that's why the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which literally means to miss the mark. The miss that looks huge at the end when the arrow flies way off the target, but the error in the beginning was almost imperceptible. It's that little wayward glance that leads to adultery. The little petty theft that leads to grand larceny. Like the innocent little snowball that triggers the avalanche that buries the town. Satan doesn't full out tempt you into sin in the big stuff. He tempts you in the little things. The imperceptibly small things. And then, he's got you. That's how he snagged Eve on the hook of his lie in the Old Testament reading for today. The devil didn't come out and say, hey Eve, God is wrong. Or never mind what God says. He came with a little sliver of doubt and a twisted question. Did God really say that you should not eat of any tree of the garden? When you think about it, that question doesn't even make any sense. If they couldn't eat of any tree in the garden, then they wouldn't have anything to eat. So the correct and only answer to that question is, no, God didn't say that. Now get lost, you serpent. But that's not what happened, is it? Eve rushed in to defend God and his word. Now God did say, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, of that tree you shall not eat. All the trees are yours. They are my gift to you, but one tree is not for you. Don't mess with good and evil. I give you life from the tree of life. So don't eat the tree of knowing good and evil. That will be death for you. Eve's misstep was not taking God at his word. And from that one little pebble of doubt, Did God really say came the avalanche of sin that buried all of humanity? You will not surely die. The devil hisses, stepping his foot into that door of temptation. He's got her now and he knows it. You see, dialoguing with the devil is a dangerous thing so don't ever do it. God knows that when you eat of it, he will be like God. And he doesn't want that. He wants you to be subservient to him. God is holding out on you, Eve. God is holding out on you. And then begins the rationalization, doesn't it? Did you notice that you and I can rationalize almost every sinful action we take? And to rationalize is to simply make a list of all your rational lies. Eve saw that the fruit was good. It was beautiful and pleasing to the eye. It made you wise. How can anything so good, so beautiful, and so right, be so wrong. Except that God said so. And so she bit. And Adam bit. And sin and death buried all of humanity because of one little off-the-mark sliver of doubt that God's Word simply isn't good enough. My friends, this is how it is with us too, isn't it? This is why this world and our lives are such a mess. This is how we fall into the worst sort of sins. It begins with that one little miss, that one little amartia. And that is why you and I so desperately need Jesus. Always remember that Jesus wrapped himself up in our human flesh and blood in order to put sin to death in the flesh. Jesus came to be the second Adam, Adam 2.0. You see, Adam 1.0 brought sin and death and condemnation into the world. So Adam 2.0, Jesus, brings righteousness, life, and justification. As Paul put it in the epistle reading for today, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness, one perfect, innocent death on the cross by the Son of God in the flesh, leads to justification and life for all men. As many as were made sinners by Adam's disobedience, so they are made righteous saints by the perfect obedience of Jesus. That's why Jesus was tempted in every way, just as you and I are. But he never, ever sinned. Immediately after his baptism, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. And Jesus was hungry and vulnerable, so the devil is an opportunity here. It worked with Adam 1.0. Why not Adam 2.0? If you are the Son of God, Jesus, command these stones to turn into bread. Now, Jesus is the creator of all things. Certainly, he has the power to do that. But he will not use his power to fill his own hunger. His bread is, is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Where you and I are tempted by hunger, by appetite, by bread, or by the lack of it, Jesus conquers. He refuses the secret self-serving miracle because miracles were signs of faith, not some power trip over the laws of creation. Jesus always used his miraculous power for others, never for himself. It would, be, it would have been just a, a tiny thing, just a little step off the path to Calvary for Jesus to fill his empty belly with bread of his own making. But that wouldn't be the way it would be for the Son of God. He came to experience hunger so that in Him we might be filled. He blessed those who were hungry and thirsty and promised them contentment in the kingdom of God where we are filled with anxiety and will do almost anything for bread if we're hungry. Jesus simply trusts that His Father knows what He needs and that He will provide it. Well, that didn't work very well, so the devil takes another crack at Jesus, doesn't he? He takes Jesus to Jerusalem, the holy city, and he sets him high on the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the Son of God, Jesus, then jump. Throw yourself down, Jesus. The angels will catch you. God promises in his word. No harm will come of you. You won't even stub your toe. So jump Jesus, go ahead and jump. It's the temptation to tempt God, isn't it? To put him to the test. Make God prove that His word is true. See if it works. Go for the evidence. How many people have fallen from faith because they tried to test God and heard nothing. In return. But the devil's a, uh, the devil is a clever bugger, isn't he? And he knows his Bible better than you do. So be careful because Satan is a proof texter, isn't he? He loves to find that special Bible passage just for you, and he'll take it right out of context to try to beef up his lie. But this is God's word, and Jesus is God. He didn't come to this earth to be lifted up on the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. He came to be lifted up on a cross outside Jerusalem. No angels came to his rescue then. No one in heaven or on earth lifted a finger to save him. But his death is his victory. His death is our life and salvation. Not even death could hold Jesus, but death is swallowed up in His life. No simple jump from the pinnacle of the temple would do. It took His death on the cross to defeat this crafty devil once and for all. So where you and I are tempted to test God and His Word jesus resisted for us in our place as our substitute jesus would not put the lord to the test and finally satan jesus takes i should say satan takes jesus to a high mountain and there he shows him all the kingdoms of this world and all their glory all this can be yours jesus if you will fall down and worship me. Wow, give me worship and you get glory and power. Now that's a sweet deal. A sweet swap if ever there was one. But Jesus came to accomplish a different sort of swap, didn't he? A different kind of exchange, our sin for his righteousness. Never forget that Jesus already has all power and all glory. He holds all authority in heaven and on earth, but those are his not so he can grab onto them but so that he can die to save the world. The kingdoms of this world belong to Jesus, not because he bargains with the prince of this world, but because he has died and taken our sin and our death into his body and put it to death on the tree. Once again, Jesus stands firm in our place as our substitute. And like the other two times, he uses nothing but the word of God as his weapon. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. So there you have it, my friends. Three temptations And all three are resisted with nothing more than the Word. The same Word that is available to you and to me. The power against the darkness and the demons, the old evil foe against sin, death, and hell is not in you or in your ability to resist. The power is in the Word of God. Nothing but the Word. Nothing more than the Word. One little word can fell him. One little word did fell him on a dark Friday that we call good. It is finished. It is Finished. The solitary misstep, that little hamartia that plunged humanity into sin and death was undone by one very big death that embraced all of humanity. Every sin atoned for, every sinner redeemed. And that, my friend, includes you and me. Adam's sin, your sin, is answered for by Christ's perfect righteousness, and in his death and resurrection, the devil is undone forever. Oh, you will still be tempted. You don't need me to stand here this morning and tell you that. You already know it's true. You will have your wilderness Your place where you are hungry and vulnerable and alone. The devil knows your weaknesses better than you do. But you do not go through this journey alone. Jesus, the Son of God, goes with you. In fact, he has gone before you. He has conquered. And in him, you conquer as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. The peace of God which passes all of our understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting, amen.